Hey there, film fans. I'm Jeff. I'm Dave. And I'm John. And welcome back to The Love of Cinema. A pod in which we'll challenge one another to discuss movies, both new and old, with a strictly positive critical eye. That's right. And to keep us positive, people, to make sure we have no lazy negativity, we've decided to make this a drinking game. So Mm -hmm. anytime you hear us say anything negative at all about the movie, about anything, you're going to hear this sound... That sound means oh. that we have to take a drink and we hope you drink along with us unless you're behind the wheel of a car. Oh, that's that's rough. So pour yourselves oh, yeah. a glass and I hope you like the drums in the new intro because we all know what happens when the drums stop. Cheers, everybody. All right, people. Oh, whiskey shot. Whiskey shot to oh, get us going. Speaking of drums. Yeah, I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna let John introduce our friend in a second. Little housekeeping oh. off the top. We are gonna be talking about the Square People. This is Ruben Ostlund's 2017 film, his follow-up to Force Majeure. It is about Ruben. a Swedish museum director who has a terrible ringtone on his phone. That's right. That's what the movie's <laughs> about. We are gonna be talking about that, of course, in a second. And next week, for all of you who know that we actually drink for real on this show, all everybody loves when we record two episodes back to back because we get pretty drunk by the second episode. Except my boss on Monday. Sorry to the parents of all the children I teach boys to that are listening now, wondering what their kids' voice teachers up to. But yes, we are going to talk about Bonnie and Clyde. We're going back to film school, people. Talking about 1967, and we will be a little tipsy because we're going to record that tonight after this. And, yes, I know and, I just spoke gibberish. We- have we officially stated that we are now doing the random year generator? Like, we did not. we make that clear? We didn't, we didn't in the tell last yeah. anyone. We didn't tell a soul. So, Jeff, why are we talking about the square? Because John said we need to do a, a random year generator. Look, you know what? The whole the whole of the <laughs> film right. industry has suddenly started pushing all this shit to 2024. So. You're getting oh, yeah. Revi- yeah, you're getting of revivals all- of Christopher Nolan Batman films. You're getting all this other stuff coming in theaters. Nothing new is going to come out uh, except maybe one or two things for the whole of like September, October, November, December. You're going to get maybe one new release, two new releases a month. If Did you say they're re-releasing shit. the Nolan Batman films? Yes, in they are in theater. Yes. Fuck. Yes. They yeah. love Christopher. They love um, Christopher Nolan so much. They're like, yeah, what do we do to replace Oppenheimer? He's, he's still in fucking IMAX, so no one can use it. Guys, no, let's bring the other films as well. I shit you not. On Saturday night, this is in September. Oppenheimer came out July twenty first. In September, on Saturday night, I checked and it said Oppenheimer almost full on my AMC app. <laughs> but, so yeah. But to combat this, we're uh, we're doing what we did the last time cinemas shut down, and we're generating a random number, and we're going back to that year and talking about the old films. I love it. So How great is that, folks? You're going to get some fucking trivia on the year. We're going to pick a great film to talk about. I like listening to Jeff tell us all about that year. It's going to be really fun. Uh, so, yeah, this was per my wish, per my desire, and I, I appreciate my co-host for going along with it. My initial pitch to them was, let's do the summer blockbuster face-off so we can stop talking about, like, big superhero movies so much. Yeah, thanks a lot. And then we <laughs> ended up well. talking about a bunch of fucking yeah, superhero movies. <laughs> that was really fun. So now we're doing this, and I'm really excited. So first up, 2017, let me get some uh, some shout-outs out of the way and introduce somebody who's been who's been waiting patiently. Uh, Carlos Barozzo is our beer sponsor. I haven't gotten a fucking beer out of that deal in a long time, so Carlos... <laughs> Listen, we, we, we got a message the other day. Mail we might. me some fucking beer, dude. It's been since the very first or second episode. It was last time I got to sip a uh, a, a Carlos Barozzo brew. Yeah, in our apartment. I think that was a long time that's, ago. That's what Carlos you get for Barozzo, moving away. C dot beer is the handle. Follow that man. Enjoy yourself. All the beer shenanigans are fantastic on the Instagram, and all the music on this episode 
and every single other episode is provided by the artist Dasein, and Dasein is in the building! What? <laughs> what? Brandon, <What's> up? <laughs> motherfucking say. You just, welcome you just outed to Dasein, the man. show, What if he dude? wears, like, a mask or something? Yeah. <laughs> dude, Does this officially get me, like, first billing as the sponsor now that I've come on before Carlos? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You should always have been Damn, first right, before anyway. Okay, we'll have to move him to the front now. <laughs> yeah. Well, Anna, just tell tell everybody just a little. You are you are you are Dasein. You are not the Dasein. You are just Dasein. We t- we we mention your music every week, of course. But anything dropping of of note that people should pay attention to on all the typical music platforms they well, can we've find. We've got a stream. fantastic new remix of remake of our theme. That remix yeah. was sweet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so in addition to that, there's a couple of things. First of all, thanks for having me. This is awesome. Yeah. I watch you guys' show. Awesome, like, yeah. I've seen yeah. every episode multiple times. So you know what you're so it's pretty exciting. pretty exciting <laughs> to be here. Um, yeah, a couple of things in the works. I got a release that's coming out in October. October 13th, my next, uh, my next yeah. release. It'll be an EP in the same world as the last one I released, Nessient One. This will be a couple of the smaller pieces that are going to fit between the larger Nessient One, Two, Three, and 4 that I'll release over time. So this was, it's just to sort of bridge the gap and uh, give you a sense of some of the other stuff that I've been working on. So that's coming next month. And then I also put up some official like videos to go with all of the previously released content oh, up sweet. on YouTube. So cool. we, if you look, don't we already, look forward to getting slugged for copyright for that one. Yeah, <laughs> it's already yeah. All, it's all there anyway, so hopefully it won't change anything. I actually was wondering if I was going to get copyright issues on my own stuff. Yeah, that'd be so, fun. Come on, I, YouTube. I can't, I can't so wait far, for so you. good. I can't wait for YouTube to copyright slug us for this one when you're on the show. That's going to be yeah. fun. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be like, fucking really, guys? I, I officially grant permission. <laughs> yeah. Did you I'll, hear send, that, so, I'll send him this clip. Dave, download so, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like yeah. There's a uh, official artist channel for Dasein on YouTube, and you can find all of the original releases there. But now there's playlists that contain uh, both the pieces in parts with the videos, as well as full, unbroken up versions of all the pieces as well. So. I should warn people: like if you if you don't like having to get up and change the track very often, some of the like our theme music uh, that's a section of a I believe it's 52 minutes or 57 minute song. Yeah. So yeah. Six, get yeah. your substances. Yeah. Sit down. Lay down. Not that we're telling <laughs> people to ceiling, do drugs. Enjoy do yourself. Drugs, everybody, do, do your fucking drugs. <laughs> that's, that's the way to listen. I would sure. like to again thank all the parents of the children that I see choice lessons to on the show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry. Don't do drugs, kid. I'm sorry. Sorry. Hopefully, my employers are listening as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Drugs are bad. Okay. all right let's fucking go 2017 welcome to the show dasein uh let's rock jeff why don't you fucking set it up i literally have been like i've been like i'm rubbing my hands together listener like somebody eager to begin something i have been waiting for you to break down 2017 just because i enjoy listening to you talking about the years (laughs) great tell me what we should know about the amazing year of 2017 2017 was the year the Harvey Weinstein files came out. Ooh, jeez. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you get that just for mentioning that count on this show. <laughs> oh, fuck me, dude. Yeah, fuck me. Dude. Tell That's me about me. the incredible year of 2017. I mean, that is good. That is a great, it's a great fucking thing that that happened, right? Fuck that guy. Oh, that's going on. Um, that's going on uh, TikTok. 
Uh, the Shape of Water would win a whole bunch of uh, awards. So uh, also known as the Fish Fucking Movie. Yes. All right. <laughs> he listens to the pod. We love that. Yeah, yeah it won a whole lot of stuff. Gary Oldman That's won so an funny. Oscar. Francis McDormand won number three for Three Billboards. Alice and Janney won for I Tanya. And Ooh. Sam Rockwell won for three billboards. Those are your Oscars. You also got Timothy Chalamet breaking big with Call Me By Your Name. Lucas Hedges gets an Oscar nom too. No, that was the year before. Who gives a fuck, people? Uh, and Ar- yeah, Army Hammer ate that peach. So that all happened this year. As far as the money's concerned, that this is the year of the big money, people. 19 movies worldwide made a half a billion dollars. 19 movies Whoa, made a half a billion dollars, which more. is a record. Mm-hmm. Four made a billion, which is not the record, but 19 movies made a half a billion dollars. A lot of female directed movies so you get um not a lot but i mean wonder woman was this year and uh some other ones too and then a lot of female main characters because the last jedi was number one aka the last hope for the the skywalker saga and film which uh she's not a palpatine she's just not she's not a palpatine is this the same year as ladybird um yeah Yeah. because um phantom thread dunkirk that's it yeah is that correct yeah, yeah, yeah. okay mm. yep, and then yep, dunkirk yep, yep, became yep. the highest grossing world war ii movie of all time and then you have the highest grossing uh chinese movie sean long 2 and you have the highest grossing indian movie of all time came out this year too so again this is just the year of the big movies what movie what, movie, what indian movie yeah. was that bahubali 2 are you guys really gonna you're gonna do this to me right now yeah <laughs> i'm gonna do it to you yeah, yeah, yeah. No. do it with an accent yeah i was gonna say don't do it with an accent <laughs> make it authentic bahubali to the conclusion God, that movie is awesome, dude. Have you guys ever seen either of those? The first or second no. one, the Bahubali series? Fucking like three and a, three, almost four hours long. Gigant- There's like RRR, but like in, set in like their mystical period. Like it's set mm. thousands of years ago. It's incredible. It's so fucking awesome. And you know, they dance sometimes and sing and shit. But I mean, fucking I mean, crazy. That I don't mind. It's, the, it's the four hours without taking a piss. Yeah. It's yeah. 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 right 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 an intermission. They are shameless. <laughs> yeah, yeah there's a built in intermission. You, but, okay. but we, we, we caught this, though, because the top 10 movies of the year internationally Star Wars. So Last Jedi was number one. Number two is The Beauty and the Beast live mm-hmm. action. Oh, yeah. Number three is The Fate of the Furious. <laughs> Number four is Despicable Me 3. Despicable Me became the most profitable animated series of all time, passing the Shrek movies. So those were your billion-dollar movies. Jumanji, oh. Welcome to the Jungle. Spider-Man Homecoming. Dave. Guardians 2. Dave. <laughs> Dave. <laughs> yeah, no, that came out in the 90s, dude. <laughs> Thor Ragnarok was fucking awesome at number eight. Sean Lang 2 is number nine. That was the first time a non, non-English or non-American film became a top ten movie. And then Wonder Woman was number ten internationally. Coco could not make it, neither could Dead Man Tell No Tales. And fucking It made 700 million dollars this fucking oh, movie's yeah, made yeah. money people Great justice year. league logan yeah there's good shit that came out this year um logan nice yeah that's that's what i want to say there you go oh and uh, this Excellent. is the year that kobe bryant and john williams uh kobe bryant won an oscar for an, oh, uh, yes. short, oh, anime yeah. short. and yeah, and roger deakins gets his first oscar for blade runner 2049 this is 2049 mm-hmm. mm-hmm. what he should have led with that i led with i led with weinstein Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, he made his choice. <laughs> Sticking to it. All right. Well, I think we learned everything we needed to know about this yeah. year. Thank you, Jeff. Mm. Um, all right. The Square. All right. We we have talked about Ruben Osland 
once before from last year for the Triangle of Sadness when we yeah, were doing. I the rated ads. it way too high. I, I guys, I want to do a. Re- I, I should. I feel like I need like a couple months before I like do this, and I need to reconsider. I put that as my number two favorite movie of the year, and I don't think it's it's actually my number two favorite movie of last year. But I love watching Ruben Oslin movies, and I wish I could watch more of them with other people because I watched Triangle of Sadness with another person, and we were we both kept being like, "What the fuck is going on?" And it was fun. If I watch it by myself, I would have been like, "Fuck this movie." It's, it's definitely a theme <laughs> in his films. <laughs> And I bet they play even better in, in an audience just because yeah. they're they're so dry. Like some of that nervous laughter and tension. Yeah. Tr- I don't mean to shit on Ruben Oslin's movies, but the man, best, they make you think. Some of the best part of these movies is watching other people react to the sheer right. fucking awkwardness of what's happening in this, on screen. Yeah, it's a big part yeah. of this movie, I feel. Yeah. So this movie won the Palme d'Or at Cannes that year, the main big award at the French festival that he's gone to multiple times. Mm. Yes, it's a foreign film. Um, Everyone deal with it. Yeah, there's yeah, some English. There's some English. Yeah, yeah, there is. Yep. He, he had a, he had a British accent. Do you think? No, the Swedish like that's, they, common, yeah. that's common. That people that learn English, I feel like they learn it with a British accent. I see it yeah. around here a lot. Europe, Europe, European non-English speakers, I feel like, learn right. British um, English, so they, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I that, especially from Swedish. From I mean, I had a friend who was Chinese and was educated in Hong Kong and uh, learned English and had a British accent. There you go. It's a yeah, forward damn. placement. Yeah, it was. Yeah, Jeff, what's this movie about? Fucking British are everywhere. Uh, it's about. Um... <laughs> you can read the blurb. You don't have to. <laughs> yeah, read the blurb. I dare you. <laughs> you don't have to generate. Uh, I haven't read a blurb in, in a while, people. All right, so this is going to set us up. Everybody watch this movie. Wait, let's do our usual. Has anybody seen this before? Had anybody seen this movie before? Is it no. a first time viewing for everybody? <laughs> no. I think it was first time for each of us. That, yeah. Good. And it's also on Amazon Prime. So if you have your subscription going and giving Jeff Bezos his mm-hmm. uh, rocket money, uh, his rocket fuel. As well. uh, yeah, I watched it on Hulu. Yeah. His uh, rocket money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give, give me his rocket okay, money cool. so he can fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, if you're keeping Bob Iger's subs up, I have a Hulu subscription yeah, too. Take that. Uh, <laughs> you can find it on those uh, those amazing amazing sites that help us see great content for subs. Okay, great. Oh, so, so we'll do the IMDb blurb, and then we'll go around. What'd you think? What'd you feel? No stuffy critic bullshit. Here we go. A prestigious Stockholm Museum's chief art curator finds himself in times of both professional and personal crisis as he attempts to set up a controversial new exhibit. What'd you guys think? What'd you feel? Who wants to go first? Should we start with our guest? Should we put him on the spot? Yeah, let's do it. Dasein. Hell yeah. Dasein, we have mentioned your name 200 times on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It's time to start paying my debt, I guess. So I'll start by saying I literally just finished this movie like 30 minutes ago. Oh, shit. And I, and I had to go take a walk afterwards. Yeah, are you okay? <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. No time to pause it. You had to keep yeah. it going. No, I didn't. I wanted to take a nap in the middle. Couldn't. So it was good. I, um, I don't know how I feel about this movie, to be honest. I have a very similar like feeling on the inside that I did with Triangle of Sadness, which is one where I watched something that I know was made by more than capable people. Like it's very clearly meant to have the effect that it had on me, but I don't know if I like that effect. Not that you have to like every, you know, the effect of a movie for it to be good. So Mm. I Mm. do, I think it was a really good movie. I will never watch it again. 
I'll put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> what about just the monkey man scene? What are, even, that was literally one of the most. Buzzed here. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> okay. You don't want to watch that before you go to sleep at night? Just, oh my God. Jack, Jack, Jack Andy Circus. We'll talk about that a bit later. Yeah, I'm coming back to that. I think I'd rather watch the ending of Event Horizon on loop than go watch that before going to sleep. <laughs> I, think, I feel like yeah. I need to because I can never remember what the fuck happens at the end of that movie. It's yeah. like my brain blocks it out. I don't know what they're doing subliminally on the screen. But Trauma response, time, yeah. 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 I, I, so I don't know. I, I'm glad that I watched it. And it's interesting to see multiple of his movies now to see like what he what he does with subject matter. But I think I'm just a little bit at a loss to say what the subject matter was like it was kind of all over the place for me a little bit i felt uh pulled in a lot of different directions so i'm saying that because since i just finished watching it this feels like a kind of movie that need you need time to synthesize everything you just witnessed and let it kind of soak in for a couple of days yeah. so i'll be curious to see how tomorrow, this conversation you're gonna be real mad yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> in one way or the other yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and uh, and it's also the kind of movie that i feel like uh you kind of need to talk about kind of like what jeff was saying earlier watching this in a vacuum might not be the best way to do it mm. um so I'm, I'm curious to see how my feelings will transform after hearing what you guys think and us talking about it and stuff so that's mm. kind of where i landed on it love it dave what'd you think man uh, I was I was kind of in the middle as well. Like this is it has its slow bits, it has its its great bits. There are some really standout, wonderful moments in this film where you're like, what the fuck? Or like it at some but I found myself considering like, is this a parody? Is it meant to be a parody or is he, is he making a statement? Because it, it seems to be like a series of situations that have nothing to do with each other happening around another unassociated through line, like the phone story just it's everything is a branch off of that, but it has almost nothing to do with that. There's this is other like B and C lines going through. So it's, it's very confusingly structured. Um, but I did like the theme of like constantly calling for help and no help is given. And that, that is the one theme that theme is right there in your face the whole way through it. Like people are constantly calling for help, but no, they can't get help. And it happens on no matter what your social st status is. They do it to everyone. Um, yeah, it, it, it has its hits. I think as far as a, a career meltdown thing, Tar did it better for me. Mm. I also kept thinking about Tar when mm. I was watching it. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I will take a swing at that as well. And you guys are sitting here. Brandon, you might feel different. I watched this a week ago. And I know I had a pretty invigorating conversation about this movie with Elizabeth when it was done. And today I was trying to remember all the things we talked about. Mm -hmm. Because it's faded for me. It's so, it because of the way he handles his gentle moving in and out of different tones and the themes are all there, but there's, I guess in some way, like he, he rides such a thin line of how to balance if he is being satirical on purpose using the theme or if he's just messing with like the tone to try to give you more of a suspenseful or fucked up what absurd effect um so just I'm, i am just the wheels are still turning and i'm hoping that like some of the mm. things that i came out of my mouth last week i'll i'll, I'll be able to remember because i wanted to ask you guys about certain moments um but dave i'll bounce off of that just because one thing that i know i remember trying to marinate on was 
and it doesn't matter which one is true, but I think ultimately, I agree with you that that was front and center, but I think he was using that, for me, it felt like he was using that as a diving board to actually discuss the offend, offending everybody time period that we were just beginning mm -hmm. to get into in 2017. Mm -hmm. And I think the main reason I felt that way, because I wasn't, you know, there, there's a lot of moments where we could say it's front and center. Like he has a moment towards the end of the film where he officially apologizes. And this whole movie is about whether or not this, this artist who is supposed to work at the highest level of expression and a you know a really prestigious art you know art curator position of a of a of a museum that is respected in Europe, uh, even they find themselves trying to do something that is, whether or not we can talk about how responsible it was, trying to make a very bold statement to create controversy around a message that is actually very universally true about harmony within humanity and the opposite effects happens in pursuit yeah. of trying to to market this thing that is supposed to speak to universal truths of goodness and kindness and trust within human beings they ended up lighting a fire under themselves and burning down the entire yeah marketing the organization his career the museum's reputation um and then so i think for me the punctuation on why i walked away thinking that was him saying you don't even know how to talk about how to handle messaging anymore the last shot of this movie is his daughter in the back of the car and she lowers her head and it's an L.A. cap. It's a baseball cap that has L.A. on it, Los Angeles. And we haven't seen any allusions to the entertainment industry in this whole movie. And the last shot is a little girl who's kind of just witnessing like her father dealing with all of this turmoil. And we just get to see that. And I, I do think that the, his messaging is just saying... We don't really know how to how we don't really know how to say anything anymore without following up with I'm sorry. Also, it leans so into the the help given thing because he makes a point that one of their donors could fix the pro the whole homeless problem in Stockholm, and it's the same in LA. Like one mil one billionaire could fix the homeless problem in in LA straight up. Yeah, and and, and not again, even, I, I and agree not with, even make I agree a blip. And I agree that that's an issue, but I think he was using that more as a vehicle to say. We're not even allowed to make. We're, we're not. That's such a. It's such a sensitive issue, right? He picked mm. that on purpose, right? Like, the, these people that we empathize with and sympathize with the absolute most. Surely everybody will will have empathy for them, and by subverting how you see them and making you feel like you know. And we'll get we'll get more into yeah. it, but I, I feel like that was that was all just a method for him yeah. to put us in the position where we were afraid to actually. We're, we're turning into the monkey men. We're turning into the animals. We're turning into the tribe. And in a way, I just want to, if he did mean that, I want to give him a lot of props because the writing wasn't as strongly on the wall in 2017, 2016, mm. when he filmed this, as it is now in this new period we're living in where apology tours are a regular thing for people who are doing anything that is at all controversial to any group of people. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we're making and one I, for I Jeff Sintra. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I talked, I talked too long. Jeff, what do you think? No, it's okay. Actually, I, I, we have to talk about Jack to Andy Circus at some point because that that guy fucking brought it, man. He was so good, uh, and why that scene was ten minutes long and all. It was so good. I think the the obvious takeaway from this movie, and I think Brandon said it in a different way, but like this director made the movie that he wanted to make, and he had statements that he wanted to make, and he made them. And we'll never know exactly what they are. 
but we know watching it he got the, he he de he definitely is proud of this and and he he has class and status and he was going for it and it looks stunning and he made bold choices even in their simplicity and i thought it was beautiful i love the shots i love the angles i love the what they did with noise and sound where you have these quiet museums mm -hmm. and they found basically <laughs> any opportunity to have noise whether it's them like tearing down another exhibition or moving a statue which i still don't really understand the tearing down of the statue but I, i'm sure it has something to do because it's I'm sure it has. I'm sure there's a very important reason why they tore the statue down and wasn't, why it fell. Wasn't where the square but, was going? Oh, yeah, but, but but it's a statue. Oh, it's a sta but it's a statue. That, really. It's a statue they're tearing down. Yeah. and and they and they fuck up tearing it down. But and that's they the do thing, the, right I mean, at it's the beginning. Very like they, they, it's the same with the cobblestones. He's brushing off the cobblestones, then they destroy them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And I want to know. Um, how they convinced all of these extras to be in the movie too. That would be really interesting of how to do that. But anyway. Well, well, again, I, we'll talk about that dinner scene at one point. It's funny. I didn't, the LA thing at the end, kind of like, I was, I saw the same, I caught the same thing. And I was like, cause when he, he has his job and he always looks the same. He always looks like he's dressing up. And I remember thinking like, does he ever just put on shorts? You know, I, I remember thinking that during the movie, like, why does he always look like, um, you know, like an executive at a museum? Like, why is he all, it's like he's in a stage show where they have to wear the same costume the whole time. And then at the end, after he steps down, you know, after that happens, he all of a sudden, he looks like a celebrity in hiding, right? He usually has like kind of jeans. He kind of has like a big shirt. He has the hat kind of covering his face and like sneakers. It's so obviously like, I'm dressing like a normal person, but it felt weird. And so I think that is very curious. That was that would not have been my guess as to like what the point is, is this is like a fuck you to Hollywood. Like you pretend to care about these issues, but only as they profit. And even the guys who made that video, I know I'm getting a little into spoiler territory, but not really. So if I'm confusing anybody who hasn't seen the movie yet, my apologies. But when the guys release the video and it goes viral, they're just so happy that it went viral. And yeah. it's like, wait, what kind of artists are you? I thought if you were artists, you'd be sitting there being like, well, it's viral because of blank. And they're sitting there going, we're viral, we're viral. And it's like, even you motherfuckers, the, even the like artistic people, supposedly, quote unquote, even though I never really felt like they were actual artists, those like bros that just well, wore the exact I thought they same were, like, outfit the with different colors. People. They yeah, were exactly, the marketing people. Exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. 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 So that, for, that's for, the biggest warning art. out of this yeah, movie. Exactly. It's like, don't trust AI yeah. and don't trust marketing people. Yeah. They're so, they're so, I mean, men in power and that whole Elizabeth Moss scene and, um, you know, basically taking advantage of these people that we put up on a pedestal, but ultimately we're actually shitting on their work. Right? Mm. Like, he kind of sits there and be like, it's not that big of a deal. They all look the same. You know what I'm talking about? So it's like, it's all an illusion, everything, you know, yeah. they're all trying to help people and then they step over homeless people, which I still think they could have done more with the homeless people. I feel like that was a little too divisive for me because I don't think they had, I, I still don't know what, I don't know. He made the movie he wanted to make, but I'm yeah. kind of like at the end of the movie. I think I'm that like, may also be, I think that may also be Dave's, the point Dave was getting at that like, these issues are just a, a device for us to express these like greater concerns. But I mean, there's, there's, there's definitely a lot of commentary about speaking with the most intellectual perspective on these really important issues and then just it kind of just stays there right yeah and then monkey man tears Dude, you away that, from that and reminds you you're a human being and you're afraid that two second and interview at the start like. of the movie where she reads yeah, out the paragraph so describing that was, it was that's the most, what i'm talking about it was the yeah. most pretentious contradictory bullshit yeah. i've ever heard yeah. it was brilliant that and the fact that he was able, yeah. the fact that he was able to break it down to one line is even better it just made it even better for me you know what after I, staggering over it for a little bit yeah even he was like did I write that shit? <laughs> All right, let's, you know let's, turn, let's turn spoilers yeah, on. So we've done the rounds, and now we oh, now so, we can take oh, yeah. the gloves off. So spoilers. go and watch this movie, come back, 
and uh, enjoy this. You know what I do love about talking about bold choices? So we have our main character. He's dressed up nicely. He's waking up from a nap. We don't really know what he... I didn't know what he was. I still don't even know his title. Is he a director? Is he? He's the chief curator. He's a supervisor, whatever. But mm. I guess he's like the director of this... He is basically curated, Swedish, yeah. Basically Swedish MoMA. And... And it's he goes into this name. and he yeah great <laughs> Swedish mama. He goes into this interview and he's he's it's a it's a terrible interview. I just love that our main character. It's so obvious our main character. He's tired. He's sluggish. He looks good and he fucking bombs his interview. And this is how we meet our main character for this two yeah. and a half hour movie. I thought that was a really cool bold choice that it was already like you know what, he's not on a pedestal even though he's being interviewed. I, I thought that was like a nice little bold choice. I mean, I'm not I, saying it was the most sensational thing in the, the world. The beginning but it was of it where they, they got the cobblestones and they're cutting through the cobblestones after someone's just like brushed them clean. And it cuts from the creation of this square yeah. to a person sleeping up against a wall that someone has obviously pissed on. Mm-hmm. And it was just that, that juxtaposition there of like from one to the other. It's like you've got this whole world here and then these people are sleeping on the streets up against piss ridden walls. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it was yeah. There was yeah. that that sort of statement was made all the way through the movie. And I, I don't know. That's actually now that I'm thinking about it and hearing you guys say that you know that was used as a device throughout the movie. They chose to use the homeless, the begging, the in need of help as a common theme throughout. But they name it in the middle of that marketing scene that that's going to be the just the hook. That's the device mm. that we're yeah. going to use to push our product yeah and i feel like that's what's actually happening like with the movie as well he's trying to make some broader point but he's using this as like the means to get you emotionally vulnerable and then make you really uncomfortable Mm. with different other elements like the like the dinner scene or any number of scenes where someone was just pushed to the point where they have to drop the illusion and just admit fear or discomfort or whatever i really feel like that actually is like the overarching theme is that there everyone has a point where if they're pushed far enough they just all the civility all of the intellectualism all of the moralism goes out the window he almost killed a fucking kid yeah <laughs> you know what i mean like well, uh, cuz the kid pushed him yeah. far enough the reason the reason i was saying it was it was definitely thematic with the uh the calling for help thing is because it starts with a call for help on the street and that's how he gets robbed. Yeah. Uh, he's then asking people for help and doesn't get it. He thought he was it. such a fucking hero. Too. But you knew he was, he was, he was all the way through like... it or asking for help. Like, I was waiting for that dude when he turned around and tapped his back pocket. I'm oh, like, yeah, 100%. yeah, you just yeah. got robbed, dude. You didn't see that coming? But uh, <laughs> Just tapping their ego, and, man. Uh, you just kind of stroke their, yeah. Yeah. I had someone try that on me at World Expo 88. Didn't work. But... Um, it was uh world expo 88 yeah right but uh anyway it was like where but then we when we get to the dinner and they're doing that like fantastically uncomfortable caveman sequence the woman the rich woman and apparently in the audience there was a fair portion of one percenters sitting they they bought them in as extras actual one percenters of like the country oh wow um and they were sitting in the audience while this was sitting in as people in the audience while this was happening but the girl is calling for help and no one helps her. Then again, the, the, a beggar is asking him for help. He yeah. can't help him. And then all of a sudden he needs the beggar's help and the beggar yeah. helps him. And that's like the last one that happens in the film. It's it's where like this guy finally, someone finally says yes when someone mm. calls for help. And it's not the people now? that have the means. Yeah. It's the beggar. It's the beggar. Yeah. 
we're talking about our movie, right? Because I was expecting him to be like, I'll give you $100 if you sit here, but he didn't. And so obviously that's a statement, right? That's that's yeah. definitely the director mm-hmm. being like, guys, I know you're thinking about just giving money to do this. I know. Yeah. Yeah, he's messing with me. That's that's how rich people work. <laughs> and aside from these, there were also, for me, there were a lot of, I laughed quite a bit throughout this movie at some of just the... Absurdity. Absurd. The, the humor that you want satirizing like highbrow art modern art you know mm. that quote at the beginning was really funny the chef <laughs> oh my god that the shot chef. of the that shot of the gravel room yeah every time they yeah. would go back there there were a lot of moments that made me laugh yeah. there were you waiting you for hear... something to happen to that like oh, oh yeah because yeah. yeah of course <laughs> the the first time they when they were cleaning it when the guy was yeah. cleaning yeah. it <laughs> yeah at some point that gets vacuumed up that was hilarious and then their yeah. conversation about what do we do afterwards do we call the insurance to replace the whole thing and he was like go get the rocks do you have any pictures let's just put it back like <laughs> of course but this scene yeah. happened after my favorite i think my favorite moment in the whole movie and i'm sorry ruben you would probably be like god damn it i, I did put so much thought into other parts when it shows the master shot of that room and you hear these two patrons walking through they haven't turned the corner yet and they're like Oh yeah, I'm I'm so excited. Have you seen any of his work? Oh oh yeah, I've seen oh, his yeah. Work. And they just poke their heads around. They look at it for like a second, and then they just back out yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. leave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, like no one even knows how to approach that kind of shit. It's like it's, and I, I know this this whole world of modern art. Like, what does art even mean anymore? Can it be bound to morality? Can it be bound to ethics? Or have we gotten to a place where it's more important about that little thing that's on the wall that the artist says is relative to their intention than it is for like just how the work actually affects the the viewers, society. Um, Yeah, and again, he Uh, names that that, in that beginning interview. You know, when he talks about if I put your bag there, is a piece of art. Yeah, which is you know, and I think you think it's only going to be that. Which is that is the thing I enjoyed about this movie was that I thought it was just going to be satire on classism using high you know the high art world as a vehicle and i do think it ended up being a lot more about humanity and making broader statements about what what we've already discussed with society Mm. um the kid you know just the act of the justification of him wanting to get his stuff back and this weird consequence it has by you know ruining this child's life um, I don't know about you guys, but I was like, I hope that kid's dead. That was great casting. I wanted to yeah. fucking beat that little child. That yeah. kid was so fucking annoying. Yeah, he did. When he, he did kind of make me steps. wish for the death of oh, a he child. Reminded me of, <laughs> he reminded me of a kid who would have been cast in Newsies as one of like the King of New York oh, kids like when he was younger. Boy, Come on, oh, you put boy, him in the oh, sand boy. lot? Let's go. Give me that yeah. kid. I want that kid more shit. <laughs> God, I hated him. I'm sure he great is. Way. He was very effective. Um, hey, do you know the guy who played? That whole sequence was really excellent. Wait, mm. that sequence. A, which one? Sorry, go ahead. No, I what was gonna be. I was gonna speak selfishly. Go. Yeah. Um, the lead of our movie is six four and a half, which is cool. He also has my birthday. We're born on the same day, and he's a step grandfather. Wow, Christian, okay. what were you saying about that kid? <laughs> <laughs> That's good, Jeff. I was just saying that sequence when he is coming home with his daughters and the child is there probably the most it, it's coming after monkey man right so mm-hmm. like yeah. the sequence has already gone yeah. down he Jack comes home circus. with his kids and and there's this crazy sequence where this kid is there 
and you start to believe that something bad is going to happen. The kid, the way they film it is really interesting. The kid like falls down the stairs and you're not sure if he's hurt. You know he's not dead because you hear him get up and cross camera. You hear it in the sound, but you don't really see it. And then you start to hear, but you're not sure if you're hearing or if he's hearing this child asking for help. And it leads into this crazy sequence where when he goes out into the rain, and I thought this was probably like his his biggest, his climax with this character. When this guy goes and tears in his tuxedo, yeah. digs through trash. And that alleyway suddenly got really oh, fucking wide. That image yeah. was so really good, wide. Yeah. And I, I guess that was the the real pinnacle of what he was trying to say. Like, in a way, what goes around comes around kind of thing. Like, everyone at some point will find themselves desperately digging around in the muck of their life to try to find an answer to something that is almost entirely relative to your own morality or your own ethics. Mm. So like, I was it, almost is it, touched. Or, or, was he, it, or was he saying like the only way to break these constructs is to break it down to the bottom level? I guess he was saying that. I, you know, or is that again, just my we'll personal wish for society? We'll never know because we also have to point out, like, if he was trying to say that, the irony of a man trying to make that statement with a very pretentious movie that won Palme d'Or Khan yeah. is, yeah. is silly, right? I know. I mean, that's, does, does, anyone have the, does anyone have the minutes on their ovation? Like, what did they get? How long was it? Oh. No, I'm sure it was several, though. I'm sure it was yeah, a lot. Because if, if it's not, in France. If it's not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thinking that yeah, if it's we not seven or up, don't even talk to me. I mean, come on. No, I mean, um, that's a good point that you made, though, because feel like part of the movie was trying to poke holes in the modern art as a concept of just like mm. having these the, you know the meaning of it is that it's in a museum and therefore it's meaningful and artistic kind of felt that about the film and times you know and and then it would you know cut to moments like the trash where it became suddenly very cinematic very poignant and it was just <laughs> all over the place like that for me and maybe that was i'm sure it was intentional um, maybe mm. that's meant to be jarring. I found it very jarring because there mm -hmm. are times where almost everything is happening off screen. And it's just a still camera looking at a corner of a room and then stuff is happening off camera. And then you have moments like that with the rain. And I don't know. I just, I, I had, a, I had trouble acclimating to the movie because as soon as I would acclimate to it, it would change. The edits were very interesting in this. The edits yeah. came out of nowhere, seemingly. Like, all of a sudden, you think the scene could have kept... It's not like the scene had an arc, and then it was, like, it was rising, and then, you know, climax, and then denouement, and then... No, yeah. it was, like, all of a sudden, edit out. Even, like, the scene where he's giving the speech, they just edit it to, like, um, the guy, like, looking up the find my phone, and then mm -hmm. edit it back to the applause. It was almost like, we're sick of the speech, we want to get to the end of it, but we can't just cut to the end of it. So, cut, cut, boom, we're at the end of the speech. They're doing these... The, the Lizzie Moss scene, could that was that could have gone on for another 15 minutes and i thought it might it was so unsettling and then it edit was, we're out was, of it that it was just... very unsettling and on Let's the talk sound about that. the two in a row so he has he's speaking in swedish to the the pr lady or you know i forget mm. exactly what her title was where she is saying she's talking about the the cleaner who had swept <laughs> and, <laughs> and i love the extras like coming in in the background and stuff but they're like demolishing a fucking something in the background that we never see so we hear that sound yeah. while they're speaking quietly this, this and then it goes right into the, the lizzie Moss scene it utilizes the back of frame better than i've yeah. seen a lot of things do it yeah but there's oh, something there's always something that leads to it like it, it breaks its way to the foreground yeah. that starts in the back but that didn't and then and then you had that scene the, it, the sound continued i think it was the same mm. sound Fuck, it doesn't yeah. matter the, the sound with lizzie Which was again, talking with them it's like yeah and again i feel like it's 
I think he's just fucking with us. Like, I really do. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Dave, the comment you just made, like, this is true for all movies, but, like, he had already, especially, like, art house movies, but it's true for commercial cinema, too, and, and he made the statement about if we display it, does it make it art? And he did keep playing with things in background, mm. and he did keep playing with things in sound, but actually, they were insignificant. Nothing actually happened. Yeah. That statue actually didn't come down. It didn't actually affect their conversation that the noise was in the background. Yeah, it was and I, I think, for me, like, wondered if he was just. Um, so I do think he was kind of fucking with us, and um, I don't know if I would if this whole sequence falls into that. But I was just genuinely, genuinely not confused. But do you guys agree that the whole Elizabeth Moss character, not, not necessarily the interview, but she's reintroduced, they have sex. The condom thing, which was funny, and then that. Also, there's a monkey in her about... apartment. Wait, by the way, there's the a monkey, monkey in her apartment. <laughs> yeah. Did, did yeah, anyone else immediately that. think of Gordy? <laughs> yeah. Oh, monkey walked in. I was like, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> and and nope, of course, yeah. Yeah. Again, I feel I feel like he's just fucking with. He's like, isn't that weird? But he's too smart. He's smart. I think he thinks like you think I'm going to say that there's significance there, but I'm just mm. fucking with you. It's just artistic to have a monkey in there. Maybe. I'm not even going to acknowledge it. I'm going to yeah. put lipstick on a pig. I'm going to literally have this thing no. putting lipstick. No, but I monkey. think I I think he has a slight answer for all of that. Even though he might be fucking with us, I think it's like the roommate. When we go and we have these relationships with people, we just we don't give a fuck about the roommate. We'll go, we'll have sex with that. You know what I mean? Like I, I kind of felt like it's just like the the nonchalant roommate who's just voiceless, nameless in these kinds of movies. And I thought that was the monkey because they sat down and like started eating popcorn. The monkey. So it was like but when you go and you want to have sex, who gives a fuck about the roommate? They have a life too, but yeah, they but literally don't matter. She was just trying to share the wall with Jeff. I resent that. <laughs> but what a random point to make this is what i'm talking about it, this movie is all over the place like i feel like he made a lot of points and a lot of them connect but it, it was like exhausting yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? at least yeah. like there's like something with with tar for instance which is a movie we've compared this to mm. i mean it is a very specific character study where you i mean you generally there are moments where you're like what what's going on you know where she's wandering in the halls at night and there's the metronome and stuff and you don't really know how that fits but everything is pretty much within a sphere that you're aware that you're in. Whereas this one, the fuck did this monkey come from? Like, yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. Well, I mean, and this is where I, all right. So hold on. Wait, wait, that conversation with Elizabeth Moss. Yeah. Back to that. By the end of it, we knew what it was in the first sentence and we, it didn't change from the last sentence. I think that's why the and sound I, was there. Yeah. And I, I guess so, but, and I guess it was just to comment on the power thing that he eventually was saying that, you know, you know, you're attracted to it. The idea of these institutions having power. I mean, I guess that's all it was. Um, but to your point, Brandon, it does make me wonder if like, and this one got closer for me than Triangle of Sadness did, but a lot of the, this is why I struggle with some of the French New Wave and people who seem to be so heavily influenced by by films that are not character driven the mm. way that I think a lot of uh, new new uh the italian new wave and then the scandinavian new wave i feel like the french new wave specifically that is still there are a lot of people i think who are operating in that vein and have found ways to play their in, in you know make it more idiosyncratic and esoteric by not allowing you to be grounded in a character's perspective so even though right. we did know who christian was i felt like he kept trying to make us feel like but who is he in this scenario mm -hmm. and it did right. it almost felt like it almost i don't know there was something disconnected about it 
And I guess he wanted us to feel that a person, a person who is even working in this world is so detached from who they actually are that they're not allowed to be themselves. Whereas Todd Field went the opposite with Tara. The world mm. abandoned her and she had to go within. And we had to we got to like watch her collapse. And I think there was something more cathartic about that. I do think Christian, but when he was finally walking in that building with his children, I felt something. I did feel that he was like, he realized that he had to kind of wipe his own slate clean and just start fresh and just just own up to what he did, even if what he did is objectively not the worst thing in the world. It kind of had nothing to do with Because he didn't kill the kid. If the kid I, died, then maybe I, it I'd also like to point yeah. out, uh, John, if any of this turns up in your thesis, you have to credit us. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> say, say, can you can you quote us? How would you how would you MLA citation this uh, speech? No, the, I think the Lizzie Moss thing, the, the the Hollywood thing, that which we don't know until the very end. So who knows exactly how much that that was? You know, the the Crucible, right? Witchcraft kind of thing. The McCarthyism, you know, the overlap between those two things. The Crucible is just about McCarthyism, and you you know, it's the underlying the whole time. I kind of felt because the whole time I was sitting there, I was like, why did Lizzie Moss even accept this? It kind of is a two dimensional character. You know, it, it pretends tends to be a three-dimensional character but nothing about that character is interesting that she wants to have sex and then it's more meaningful than that and and these things do happen so i don't mean to diminish that in any way shape or form and she yeah she gets you know tastefully of course but it's all like let me see the condom whole thing let me see the condom no why and then the whole thing it's like and then afterwards like i thought it was more than just sex like it's it's in a way the hollywoodism makes sense that it's like it's so simple and so straightforward. And these things do happen in real life. So I really think the sound has so much weight and I want to know what it is. And mm. I think that's what's interesting about this movie because I agree with what 100% of what you're saying, but the sound, I can't fucking shake. So I can't just sit here and mm. say like, oh, well, you know, this, that, you know, I can't be blase about that scene. Just, that scene has this extra weight to me and I can't even define it. I don't I, know what I've it is, but it's like there's something he's telling me. for a condom. Like that's... Like, get the fuck out of here with your fucking joke, Dave. Sound, sound seems to have a profound effect on you, Jeff. I just watched the uh, the first Halloween live event, and you kept talking about the sound from Texas Chainsaw oh Massacre. God, too. It stays with you, yeah. But it's still like they're Can't trying to have this. On Facebook, it's been pulled. But- Maybe it's no. may, maybe it's they're having this conversation that everybody's had a million times, and it's almost like we get it. Or maybe it's like, well, it's a reminder that you're watching a movie that actually takes place in a place, and these things happen, and and it's not just this theoretical conversation just for story, just like some script supervisor who comes in and says, no, you need to say this, you need to say these lines because it'll offend the fewest amount of people. You know, maybe there is more to it, and and for whatever reason, it's staying with me, even though I can't fucking place it. I don't know. Same thing with the fucking monkey man. I watched it actually over two days and I did take a nap in this and I would not recommend it because falling asleep, (laughs) falling asleep after Jack Dandy circus is really hard because that scene is fucking, I want to talk. Can we talk about that scene? Why is it 10 minutes long? And what the fuck did they tell those extras ahead of time? Did they know what they were getting into? Yeah. I wonder. I mean, well that, that is the scene where some of them were the actual one percenters of that country. Yeah. That Um, scene was so long. Let's talk about, but let's, let me just, all right. This would be, this would be my fear, and I hope I hope he hears this with respect when he listens. He's a regular Ooh. listener, Ruben Oslin, so I hope he I hope he hears this with respect. <laughs> if you're sitting in your editing room and you have a scene like that, you have to ask yourself if the rest of this movie isn't that compelling. Should I cut? I mean, like if certain scenes pop every so much. message that we have been talking about was more essentially and more cinematically told in that short film sequence about 
17 minutes or 16 minutes of of that movie than the rest of the movie for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if he made it as a proof of concept and he built the story around it. I mean, it's not I'm not taking anything away from the rest of the storytelling. It was all there and all weaved in and out in a more, you know, complex way. Whereas this was like just a really solid light the fuse and let's let the tension build and let's just fuck with people. It, but I, th- I still feel like all of this commentary, it just landed with such a fucking powerful downbeat for me. I mean, I was fucking like gritting my teeth by the end of that. And all oh, yeah. of was, the, the, the commentary was there. So I guess I just, I, I wonder if he, when he saw that, he was like, oh shit. You know, like <laughs> the rest of this movie just isn't that compelling compared, mm. compared to that. It's just, you know, it's all, it's all, it's all a lot more heady and not nearly yeah. as emotional for me. Yeah. I mean, I, but I feel like that wasn't his intention with the movie, most of the movie. I feel like it was, and, and hearing us talk about it, you know, we keep coming back to the idea that it was sort of discohesive and it was kind of pulling you in and out of different messages, different types of scenes, different styles of shooting the scene and everything. And maybe that was, you know, I think Jeff, you said it best in your intro thing, this movie is really about illusion. And maybe that's some sort of commentary on the illusion of a more cohesive, compelling one long story arc movie. You know, the the mm-hmm. idea that that is reflective of life itself is an illusion. We all just get on board with it and extract what we want from it, whether it's entertainment, lesson, value, moral, or whatever. And he maybe that was why he chose to make this thing two and a half fucking hours, even though <laughs> it, is very long. it probably yeah. didn't need to be, yeah. you know, I think all of these things kind of contribute to shattering the illusion. Maybe it's the Hollywood thing. Maybe that's why he tied it up that way at the end. I don't know. Uh, that's why I have more questions about this movie than anything. And maybe that was his purpose. Maybe Brandon, as a resident music expert, how many more times did you want to hear the Bobby McFerrin <laughs> Ave Maria? <laughs> At least three more times would have been would have been good for God, me. They did use it a lot. Yeah, Brandon. No, I think you're. I think you're probably right, man. And I, I still feel like. <laughs> I still feel I enjoyed watching this more than I enjoyed watching Triangle of Sadness. I think, and and th- unfortunately, I haven't seen Force Majeure, and I haven't seen some of his other earlier things. But I think I had more. I think I was. I think I just had more fun watching this one, if you mm. want to use that word. I was a little bit more on the edge of my seat throughout, just trying to kind of hang on to what he was doing. And mm. and I was compelled. And just to put this to bed one more time, I feel like the, the, the he chose that shape for a reason, the square. And I do think it is like, you know, this window into, it could be entertainment, it could be the way you see the world. And it's also like, is there anything maybe more pretentious than like a two-dimensional thing? And we're just saying that that is going to encompass the entire experience of humanity. And I think just trying to to break down all our expectations of what art and social commentary, morality, ethics. Hmm. And if he if his if his goal was to try to do that, I mean, I mean, I wonder I is guess. he I wonder is he coming? Uh, is he making a trilogy? And is something's going to be Circle next? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, square triangle, square triangle, yeah, square triangle. Lines. yeah, yeah, rhombus, <laughs> I mean, rhombus, and of, is next. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and of course, the the trope of if if you're, uh, I kept thinking the whole time, like, is this main character a square? Like, is he trying to go us into that kind of way of thinking about this? Um, oh. 
and of course i love the i love that is they were wearing the cheer outfits when we said this is a tough like weekend with daddy for sure for those kids yeah. this, is, this is one they'll remember <laughs> for sure they'll well. circle it we don't make movies about blase weekends with daddy we make we make movies about those fuck, hour and a half in i didn't even know he had kids an hour and a half in that seems, yeah. that seems yeah. with all that again with the noise we the... hear the kids first why you, did we go to the cheering scene? because they the dance because the cheer competition happens on a square what's the whole point of the square everybody's equal here everybody has equal rights sports and oh, competition God. is built on the premise of equality and may the best person win given equal stakes i was sitting there i was like this is bold as fuck but like is he now trying to equate sports to this i, I couldn't I, I couldn't tell if he was trying to add more to the metaphor or not things. i know that's what i'm saying <laughs> yeah. but, but, but yeah. exactly what he said in the press conference this is a place about equality where everybody is the yeah. same and everybody's equal and when it comes to a cheer competition that's what it is you all start with zero points and mm. i i thought i thought it was a mm. bold choice i think it's interesting that this movie that the titular feature of this movie is the work of art that we basically never see it's like about everything except that which yeah. is kind of also named in the discussion about the marketing discussion they had and maybe that's part of the commentary as well that it's it's really less about the content of what you're saying or what you're expression is and more about the way it's perceived and everything that happens and spirals because of that perception from other people this whole thing yeah. is a fucking piece at the moma also, where you can't well, sit there and be like this yeah. is the best piece of art ever it's also, a fucking handbag the, uh, hanging on a wall you know what i mean it's like yeah. <laughs> look at the questions in the press conference the first one was like you're insulting yeah. the poor you should be ashamed of yourself um the second yeah. one was uh what was it why why did you choose a blonde girl and the third yeah. one oh, was, yeah. oh, you're apologizing for it? I'm offended by that. Yeah. Yeah. So this is where so free every single person yeah, the whole had spectrum. a problem with what he would, what he'd done from a completely different perspective. Yeah. And the yeah. first and the first press conference was essentially Twitter out loud <laughs> being yelled at him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Dave, these shots, did the shots compel you at least? I mean, it look good. Dude, there were some fantastic uses of practical light in this. Uh, and like I love when they include them in the reflections. Uh, in particular, when one of them when he was in the bathroom, and you could see the reflection of the practicals they'd used in the tiles, and uh, like mm. you could see on one side mm. it had been dimmed to give you that like nice fill instead of a key, and it just looked great. But they've incorporated them into the scene. They use this a lot uh, in this film. Silhouetting was great. There was a lot of really creative stuff done with camera. And everything, yeah, nothing was he, nothing was done for the sake of art either, which is completely opposite to the movie. Well, I was just about to say that I feel like it's it's such a controlled composition that I do think he he wants you to know you're watching a movie. This isn't gritty handheld, trying to just make you feel like everything like we're just moving in and out of life. A lot of very long static shots. Yep. Yeah. Like I feel like, I feel like I was very aware that he. I don't know that he wanted you to know that you were watching something that was uh, designed. I, I, I felt for the poor bastard on that steady during the dinner. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're we're talking about well, I think, it. I, I, I feel like that. It, I feel like that guy was improvising too, so he may not have known where he was going to go. Surely he knew about that final table. I feel like that. One I'd was... like to think yes, but who knows? Like the was reaction that him in the body? was great. What, was that him in the bag? Afterwards, they cut to the bag in the rain outside the homeless people. 
Because they oh said, God, let's kill him. Shit. Oh. Well, I, I mean, no, no, I was, I'm assuming it wasn't. We would have known because at the press conference, he would have had more to talk about if somebody was curt, like bludgeoned to death at one of his events. <laughs> but but the, the scene ends with them all beating the shit out of him. And yeah. it's yeah. point of view. So you don't see him. You just see them punching basically air. And then the next cut is a bag that looks like a human in the rain. So what's that statement? Wow. I didn't even put that together. Oh, man. And then you cut to the homeless I mean, person who's yeah. standing around, and you slowly segue back to, I don't know if reality is the right word, but mm. yeah. And that was the night Christian goes home. Yeah. The kids all right. And, well, we, and yeah. I was like, I mean, and I was like is... all right, were his daughters at the dinner? I was like, please tell me those daughters weren't at the dinner. Because <laughs> no. the, the next scene is him taking the daughters home. <laughs> is it or, does it, or did he take them home after the cheer no thing nope it because it was because the rain it was pouring rain you see the homeless people sitting around basically the museum and then he enters his apartment building he's obviously picked them up from their mother or a babysitter they were not at the dinner because i said that please tell me they were not there worst weekend with daddy ever yeah (laughs) yeah yeah any other meetings that's what you guys are gonna remember about the movie years past I'm gonna remember the, the eight guy. Scene. The, yeah. Yeah. the dinner scene is yeah. gonna be. Yeah, I mean that's why it's on the poster. I think. And also, I feel like. Do 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 do. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. There are a few moments, but definitely the dinner scene. And would you guys recommend this to other people? You know what I always say about yoga? I always love having done yoga, but sometimes it's really tough to get through. So. <laughs> that's what i would say to people <laughs> i want to talk about it with other people who have seen it but i'm going to prep them for it yeah it's two and a half hours you might want to yeah. take a nap two two out of the I, four I of would, us i wish would preface this with watch it i want to ask you questions afterwards and see what they come uh, back with yeah. it's, it's one of those ones where it's it's more interesting to see people's reaction to it than to the film itself i feel like yeah yeah i, I would recommend it to a pretty specific type of film audience member not just mm-hmm. anyone though i wouldn't recommend this to our parents for instance <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah sure they would get mad at us yeah, but come yeah, on yeah, yeah, we yeah, can watch yeah. anything we want right now um i also <laughs> would recommend the line that the kid says which is you called me a thief i'm making chaos with you yeah it's That's such a good, good line mm-hmm. i'm gonna use that at work <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> so I think we did it. We did it. All right, friends. Give it our best shot. Give it our best shot. Guys, it's difficult, on. Difficult film to talk about. Mm. Very intricate. Yeah. It's it's on Prime. It's on Hulu right now. Give it a watch. Reach out to us. Dave will respond. That's for sure. <laughs> I should check for new messages, actually. I haven't checked in a while. And if you're sticking mm-hmm. with us, remember, we're going to talk about Bonnie and Clyde right after this. So if we're already starting to slur our speech, you, you can imagine right how fun that episode's going to be. It's a week away for these people. No, but we're going to record it right now. No, but um, we're going to finish up our episode with, as always, a quick round of what you've been watching, where we tell you the things we've been watching, give you some recommendations for the weekday. We always like to start with you. Shall we start with you today? Since we started with Dasein for our, right. sorry, Brandon for our... Uh... Have you guys seen One Piece? <laughs> I saw the last two episodes. Don't tell me why I don't want yeah. to get into it, but uh, it was yeah, fun. No, but yeah, it is it is the most fun, feel-good thing I've seen come out in a long time. It's based on an anime. Uh, Word is it's better than the anime. Uh, because it's faster Weird. paced. Um, well, it's just faster paced. Um, the the anime takes its time. That, tough. But it, it's it's just stupid good fun. And the the guy, uh, I think he's from Brazil, maybe yeah. who's who's the star of it, is an absolute mm-hmm. fucking superstar. Like you can't take your eyes off him. He's amazing. 
They do some weird shit that is totally normal on the show, which yeah. is cool. Yeah, they establish the rules of the world and then they just go with it. It's it's, it's just plain good fun and feel Netflix, good fun. Right? Yeah, Netflix. Nice. The opposite of the square. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of animes taking their time, this just <laughs> back in the day, John, do you remember watching Dragon Ball Z? You had to wait a whole week. And it's like 40 minutes of them screaming, 10 minutes of action. Yeah. <laughs> and then last week, like panning, panning scenes. Like, what just what happens? <laughs> They're just charging up for yeah. like three episodes. Yeah. <laughs> Half of it's from the previous I watched, episode. <laughs> I watched this week. Ryan Johnson came to school and Whoa. screamed. Um this movie, that's a whodunit from the 70s called The Last of Sheila, uh, directed by Ironic. Robert Ross. Get this. Uh, written by Anthony Perkins and Stephen Sondheim. What? Oh, right. There's a, there's a combination right. you don't see often. So that's weird. right. Uh, that's that's, why, that's why Sondheim whodunit. was in his movie, right? Because he loved it and it was basically whodunit, right? That's why Sondheim was in Glass Onion. Yes, yeah. So it's kind of exactly that and it's worth watching if you enjoy the whodunits. I had a great time and Brian Johnson was... Did a fun Q and A afterwards. Really cool. Yeah, fun, crazy. Did you say hi for me? Cast. <laughs> I almost told him my friend hated you for a long time, and now he likes you a lot. <laughs> the, the guy from Psycho and the best musical theater composer of all time wrote a screenplay. I mean, come on. It's... Uh, how weird is that? But yeah, apparently Stephen Sondheim used to like at the parties that he would host. Like he loved like setting up these intricate games and making people play all these weird, you know, to create these kinds of strange scenarios where people were always playing a game and creating doubt in his parties and secrets and lies. And mm. Freddie yeah. Mercury did that too, but a little differently. <laughs> yeah, I guess he did. <laughs> well, that was gentle. All right. What else we got? <laughs> Dave? Brandon? No, sorry, Brandon. Oh. That's right. Sorry, sorry, Brandon. Yeah, we've done it. <laughs> You guys, I've watched a lot. I don't know if there's a limit to this or not, but we got two episodes. Let's so split them in half. Yeah, let's split them in half. Yeah. One I definitely want to talk about. I got to see the motherfucking Terminator in theaters in what? Dolby. It mm. was incredible. The first wow. one. I took I took my friend who uh, had never seen it before, and the theater was just full of people who were super super excited to see it, and it honestly like it transformed my opinion of the movie. I, I mean, I always liked it, but seeing it that way, just imagining being in 1984 and seeing this thing happen, come out of the blue seemingly and just yeah, witness the shift, you know, that was like a, such a big shift in action cinema, sci-fi cinema. I mean, I guess you had Alien before that, but it was just, I don't know, it really landed with me. And so uh, we had such a good time watching that. The ne- Not the next night, but the night after we watched T2. And uh, mm. I, I think part of it is the theater experience versus the home experience, but that one didn't land with me nearly as much as I expected it to. So I you would not have loved... voted at number two on your bracket? I, I don't think y'all were wrong for putting it number two, but I just had such a special time with the first one. Yeah. I mean, um, if they do a Dolby remix of that, I'm there. It sounded so good. Yeah. I went and saw like the Dolby uh, remix of Scott Pilgrim when they released it. Oh, God. Um, nice. Yeah. That's it's the most amazing band this. mix I've ever heard in a film. It, it sounded as did that with Terminator because it, it, was it a sounded as though originally. they they didn't. That's why. So the music was not. It was clearly still mono, 
But I feel like they literally just redid all of the like the explosions the and everything sounded distinctly different than the rest of the mix. And it was huge all around you. <laughs> very Dolby kind of feel. Um, so I feel like they, you know, took liberty with the original uh, nice. sound and it was it was awesome. Uh, so that was really great. And yeah, I also just, caught uh, Equalizer 3 a couple days ago. Yeah, I watched I don't it too. Know if you I was guys are... save it until the next one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. If you're going to save it to the next one, we'll we'll save that one. Do you want to do a mini um, review? The other... What's that? Do you guys want to do a mini review? Dude, I would love to. Yeah, do we can a do that. We can do that. that in the next and episode. The and Clyde sounds Hell good. yeah, let's definitely do that. Okay. Then the last one I'll do for this one is uh, I caught Talk to Me. It was like oh yeah, it's hard to find now because it's been in theaters for a while, so mm-hmm. most of them aren't playing. I don't know if you guys have seen that or you're interested in another, I think it's A24 horror, but it was extremely effective. Yeah. <laughs> Mark from the Mark and Matt movie show want us, he wants us to watch that so bad. He just was like, can you just fucking see this so we could talk about it? And I know you are a patron of theirs, so you should yes. talk about it with them. They, you, you know yeah, Mark. Shout well. out to, to the Mark and Matt movie show. <laughs> yeah. That's actually why I watched it because Mark was pushing it so hard. We, we actually got a text. Right. We actually got a test a text. Me and Jeff got a text from Mark going, Hey, we should go and see the nun too. And all you go back with from me was fuck that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I saw the trailer in the last screening I went to. <laughs> so. Yeah. I'll talk about that one on the next episode. All right. Um, I saw a bunch of shit, but uh, I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep it chill as fuck, and I'm just gonna say, I uh, I got into Clue the game recently. Angela's a big Clue fan, and um, we watched the movie Clue, and I'd never seen it before. And it was one of those. I was like, okay, this is cool. It's very '80s, etc. And for anybody who's seen it, of course. By about an hour until the end, it's so fucking great. It's all worth it. Everything's so great. It's Tim Curry at his fucking best. Mm-hmm. Guys, it is the cast is so good. It, I it. love it, man. I loved yeah. Clue. I loved it. And what a fucking bold choice for the the end of the movie. I've, I've heard there might be another one coming. Fucking bold ass choice for the end of this whodunit, man. It was, I was so happy about Not it. Because I'm going to say it. He's popular again. I'm going to say it. Mm. Only Only Murders is disappointing me this season. I'm going to say it. There's a good stuff in there for sure, but man, it does You've not have the magic. It. it does not have the magic of one and two. So it was bumming me out. So I'm so glad to see that movie because I was like, fuck yeah. I don't think you're alone. I feel like I hear people saying that about this season of Only Murders. Um, Guys, thank you so much for sticking around this episode. Thank you, Brandon, aka The Artist Dasein. You can find on all of the platforms, including our show. That counts as a platform nowadays. (laughs) Um, But yeah, he he prepped everything before. Listen to the Nascent series, people. Do some drugs or not. Be stone cold sober and sit back and (laughs) relax and enjoy the ride. I mean, so fun. So good to have you on the show. And I can't wait to talk to you more about Bonnie and Clyde in a second. Anything else before we go, people, that you want to mention? We good. All right. We'll see you next week, film fans. Peace.